Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople, welcome to the podcast. Uh, today, we have a very special episode. It's not often that we have not one, but two guests on the line. Uh, so my guests today are Rich Liu and Megan Eisenberg. Welcome, Rich, and welcome, Megan. Thank you for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us, Jeremy. Rich is the CRO of Trip Actions, and Megan is the CMO. They both have some pretty rich pedigrees. Rich came by way of MuleSoft, Facebook, and, and other companies that I have certainly heard of. Ditto for Megan. She was the CMO of MongoDB and also was at DocuSign before that. She's also an advisor and board member of a lot of companies. And as I mentioned, they work for Trip Actions. That's a corporate travel management platform. We don't do a lot of explanation of what companies do, but what does it mean to be a corporate travel management platform? Megan, maybe you can take that one. Sure. We're all about taking the pain out of business travel. We deliver an amazing experience to our travelers and the travel managers that run these programs. Three things that define us are our unrivaled choice and in inventory, powerful personalization, delivering what the traveler really wants when booking a trip. And then we have proactive global travel agents there to really support and make sure you get to where you're going. Since I got a, a CRO and a CMO on, it's a golden opportunity to talk about sales and marketing alignment. It's a topic that I have thus far actually avoided on the podcast because I go to a lot of conferences or I'll go to a lot of different sessions around either the city I live in or elsewhere. And it'll be like a group of salespeople talking about sales and marketing alignment or I'll, I used to be a CMO myself. And then I would go to marketing conferences where they would talk about it. And the conversation, I just felt a little bit kind of weird and cliche. So my, my first question for you is, now that I've got both a CRO and a CMO on the line, and this will be our topic of the day, but I'm questioning the legitimacy of the topic. What do you guys think about this whole sales and marketing alignment thing? Is, is it a real issue? I've been at companies where we've had great sales and marketing alignment, and I put trip actions in that category, and ones where we haven't. At a very tactical level, the difference is, you know, do you have someone throwing leads over a wall and salespeople complaining about the leads and not really actually calling them and selling to them? And then they're sort of the, the beating each other up at the threshold. That actually does exist. I've actually seen that in companies and it's just not a healthy thing overall. And it's actually pretty nuanced when you get it working the right way, right? It's, it's actually not good to have zero tension. Megan and I have plenty of debate in how we work together. And it usually what ends up happening is we reach a better outcome than what we were both walking in with. And, and that's a really powerful thing when both sides are just know they're attached to the hip in success and in failure and know that each of us is going to push each other hard to go think creatively, think differently and, and support the broader mission. I think it's absolutely a valid topic. I think it's just really important to, to really get below the surface level tactics that I think we usually get through when we tackle the, uh, the topic at a really high level. One thing that will help, I think, for context is to understand a little bit about what your segmentation looks like and, and what your go-to-market motion looks like. Because obviously in some motions, that alignment, right, when you have a very deep account-based type of approach into large enterprises, you know, is one thing. And then there's other, other places where you can't really afford to do anything other than to cast a fairly broad net. So I'd love to hear a little bit about what, what your segmentation looks like and how you apply different marketing and sales strategies into those segments. When we segment our business, we think about companies that are spending on the mid-market side a million to $10 million a year on travel, on the commercial side beneath that and, and the enterprise side above that range. 
What that's meant is that we need to be able to actually do all three. But more importantly, as we've matured, you know, we needed to build our capabilities to build on the market side of that, right? So Megan's team has been working closely with our SDR and AE teams to be able to say, okay, instead of doing the spray and pray and everybody just call everyone, let's actually focus on specific accounts and specific segments and specific verticals and bring that alignment entirely up through the SDR or through the marketing org. And so we can actually focus. And as we build the um, mid-market segment, which is still a good sweet spot for us, really shift that into more of an account-based motion. And what we found is that that's not simply, you know, we decide to give a list of accounts to Megan and her team. It means that we need to train our SDRs on how to prospect in that way. We need to train our AEs on how to sell to a lower intent hand raiser because that's the kind of marketing support we're asking to dial in instead of just how many bottom of the funnel lead form captures can we get for a demo. Megan, for you, um, I presume from how Rich just described it, you've been you've been working up market from SMB and mid market up into enterprise progressively. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's true. We started as a business in SMB and have quickly moved up commercial to mid market and now enterprise. And each of those segments are slightly different go to markets. And it's big involvement between sales and marketing around sales enablement, how we enable the field, what the talk track is. The length of the deal gets a little longer as you're going up towards enterprise. The different buyers and the committee that's involved to purchase is slightly different. I would presume that especially as you move up market, almost everybody has some sort of a corporate travel management platform in place. So is everything in your marketing directed at effectively a knockout opportunity? So you have both. You have those going from unmanaged to managed, which is a much shorter sales cycle and different things that we're pointing out and different side on the education side. And then you're right, as you move up market, it's a displacement sale. I guess I'm also wondering, you guys had said that you had to basically you know, retrain the account executives, potentially retrain the marketers, retrain the SDRs on how to sell into enterprise. What were some of the learnings along the way there? What did you try? What worked? What didn't work? The more we got specific around who are the customers in each of these segments? What do they look like in industry? Who are the buyers there? Who are the personas we need to reach? How do they think? What are they using today? What is the messaging? What do they need to hear? Only then can we actually start to really train the salespeople on even how to prospect. What are the messages we need them to take? How much are they solving for the why change versus why trip actions? And starting from that sort of top down is how we've been able to pull through. And also taking different techniques, right? So the fact that we've been able to really segment our teams through marketing all the way to sales and customer success means we can have an enterprise marketing team that's specialized and experts in doing really amazing events and C-level engagement. So it starts from that who, what, and why, and then goes out to how do we organize our teams around those right messages and emotions. And once we actually broke out our teams a lot more effectively, it made it a lot easier to actually help them focus, work on the few things that they need to be expert on, and also measure them on those results. Enterprise companies are global. They need global infrastructure and they need global travel agents and support. We have offices around the world. We have support agents and travel agents around the world. We have salespeople around the world. We have inventory around the world. We are like a travel agent on steroids, really. We're Sabre certified and we can provide that response and support wherever you are, unlike others that are in the market, because they're not all one system and one platform. 
Rich had mentioned a little bit of the different mix between enterprise and SMB, in particular things like events and executive alignment that exists in the enterprise. How do you work together across sales and marketing to coordinate you know, those events? What sorts of events do you run? How do you work across the teams to you know, coordinate executive alignment? So yeah, just trying to get a sense of some of those tactical considerations. There are two fields within marketing. There are events marketing and there's field marketing. I would bucket events as your trade shows, your user conferences, the major things that you're attending. And field marketing is where you align to the field leaders, so the VPs of different regions and their sales leaders, and what needs to happen within the region to create the engagement, the meetings, the dinners. And so what we've done from a global standpoint is, of course, we have an events team that does global events and partners with all the majors, but we also have a field marketing team that is aligned by region, and they put a program together quarter by quarter based on what needs to happen in that region to create the relationships our sales reps need to be successful. And they align around it. They put the budget towards that. They do the targeting together, the follow-up together, and all of that so they get the most out of it. Going back to your question, when it doesn't work well, I can go to a sales leader and say, hey, did you hit your number? And they'll say, no, I didn't. But, you know, I didn't get this support or that support. And my response to that would always be, well, it's your job to make sure if you're working in tight partnership, then those are the right events with the right people there and the right tone and, and content. When those two are working together and where there is that expectation that they both own the outcomes, when our sales leaders are in the market and we look at the events and the success of those events is very much something that they are held accountable to, right? So making sure that that joint ownership over the outcomes and the shared responsibility for driving the success of those is critical. I think we just came out of our first user conference, Traverse 2019, and there was a tight weekly cadence around what was happening, who needed to invite who, what the right outcomes needed to be, what the right audience was, and making sure that the field side was really heavily giving feedback on the content and the speakers so that we couldn't get out of it and say, you know what, I didn't really like this because, and when that happens, my response is always, you have no excuse, you have to be involved in owning that. And same on the marketing side, which I really appreciated. We started that event about three months before we had it, and there's no way you get 800 people to attend unless marketing and sales are working together. It was very powerful to see prospects and customers start to register that came in through our sales force. That particular topic is an interesting one because I've been in a number of organizations that hold user conferences. And as the user conference draws near, marketing always wants to put some sort of spiff in place for salespeople to get more butts in seats. I've seen many times where the head of sales or CRO or whomever pushes back on the spiff because, yeah, maybe they're going to get a another butt in a seat for a couple hundred bucks, but that is distracting the salespeople, quote unquote, from being able to close a much, much bigger deal. CROs that have successfully participated in a user industry conference with the team, you actually close many more deals. This is where your customers, your fanatics, you know, we had a lot of customers speaking and you bring in prospects and they see the power of your existing customers and they're in person and the relationship building that goes. It's a massive brand event, but also tying marketing and sales together, you can close a lot of business. So I would say the smart companies get customers and prospects at that event and they're bought into it. They know that you can close deals on site, you can accelerate deals, 
if done right, but you need everyone to come together, do it. If marketing does it in absence of sales, it won't be successful. And if you do an absence of partners team, you won't be successful because it takes the whole community to come together. And I would say you get every single customer there and every single prospect and you'll, you'll actually get a lot more business out of it. I love that question. Made me chuckle because I've seen and, and heard of examples where that is actually the case. And usually that happens. One, I could see it happening more at the line manager, director, VP level, where maybe someone does feel like, well, hey, I'm an SDR manager. I have to drive people to an event. But if I, as a CRO, I'm saying, I don't feel confident that that event will drive the outcome, that's the perfect time for Megan and I to have a chat around. Why is that? Is that because we don't think the audience is right? The content is right? And that's the perfect time if you're a sales leader to actually ask yourself why. Yeah, I, f- I feel like I gave you guys a softball because it's definitely been my experience that the you know more evolved organizations I've worked for have used events extremely strategically and, and the orchestration that goes around getting customers in front of high quality prospects is, is extremely intentional down to seating assignments inside of VIP dinners and things like that. I don't know if it's a softball at all, Jeremy. I'd actually say that plenty of salespeople I've talked to will do the thing where they roll their eyes and go, oh God, there's a user conference. It's a <laughs> trophy for the CEO or you know something to say we've been there and we're here. And I've seen plenty of sales orders where their people are not engaged in doing, doing it just because they feel they have to. And those are the types of situations where usually you see you're chasing down invites at the end of the line because either people didn't prioritize inviting people or they're not actually... Um, truly heads and hearts in the game of bringing people to the event. I was at a conference actually recently where one of the speakers or panelists there was asked, what's one thing that you you wish you had not spent time on? And the answer was, I, I wish I had not spent any time on complex marketing and sales attribution. I wish we had just chosen either first touch or last touch and monitored that. Love to hear your guys' thoughts on revenue attribution. I do think it's a worthwhile uh, part of, of our day to make sure we understand attribution. You know, how would you know where to hire if you don't know where it's coming from? If you can't tell the difference between the impact of an event or digital marketing or more SDRs or your website, how do you know where to lead business? One of the places where I see this come up, Jeremy, is when salespeople are highly incentivized to show some number in a certain column of a spreadsheet. And so they're apt to try to convert and call something outbound instead of inbound. And frankly, I think it's natural behavior if it's what you set up the system to incentivize. And you know, when we find bits of that in our business, which is pretty natural, right? Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's just the salesperson interprets that as whatever incentive we're giving them or, or the signal we're sending them. Um, it's really important that we, one, set up a, a line of either rules of engagement or definitions that we, we feel confident in and that all the leaders down through the front line managers are confident in that because the last thing I want is somebody at the front line going, hey, you know what? I know you busted your hump to get this outbound, but you know, that that framework is what it is. And yeah, I hate it too. So, and it just sort of creates that unhealthy behavior. And more importantly, really helping a healthy SDR org understand your, your job's not to drive outbound only. Your job's actually to drive all sorts of demand. Our SDRs are highly, our MDRs are highly involved with driving inbound demand and our SDRs as well. And so if we start to create a world in which all of a sudden you're defined by one swim lane and, and then you have some inordinate amount of pressure to deliver there versus overall demand, things can get wonky and, and, and behavior gets weird. 
So for us, it's really helping the SDR and MDR org understand you're helping to make sure inbound demand engine is successful. You're a big part of that. So please follow through on your leads. Please do all the stuff you need to do to get there. And by the way, on outbound, that's a big part of what we need to do too. But at the end of the day, like drive our business forward and we need to size our targets, size our hiring, size our measurement to go fit what we need to happen and make sure that we don't create unnatural incentives at a rep level. As you guys have scaled just incredibly quickly over the course of just four years, I think, I would assume you started out somewhere locally and, and quickly found out with the customer base you wanted to serve, potentially those larger customers, you had to go global. So what were some of the things that you guys had to partner on together to make that work? One of the things we've been doing pretty aggressively is scaling into EMEA and APAC uh, starting to build as well. And as we build in those markets, the marketing leader and the sales leader on the ground there would be really driving, okay, do we even have the right product and product market fit? And how quickly can we scale while we drive our product or to go build what we need? We're fortunate that our product has gone global and up and down segments very seamlessly, which is a luxury. But that team on the ground closest to the business is driving that. What's the product market fit? Where do we start? What's the closest concentric circle that we need to put based on the strength of our platform, based on the competitive landscape, based on the size of the pies in these markets? And then building the operating playbook around that, how to reach them through events and digital and how to put the right messaging talk tracks in place uh, so that the salespeople from SDR all the way to CSM know how to speak with and engage. And that 80% that's the same, what is the 20% that needs to change? And that team is operating highly independently with a ton of autonomy, but it's a bit of an iterative model. And, and as we do it more and more, we've developed a tighter playbook around scaling that sort of core team and getting those first you know, 10, 20, 40, 50, 100 customers to really validate what we're doing and then tweak and scale from there. In your playbook, to what extent does coordination of communication play a role? And the reason I bring this up is when companies are small, you'll find what sneaker net and email and Slack and whatever else, right? That effectively almost anyone can message anyone at any time. And as you begin to grow, right, you begin to overwhelm salespeople with messages from product, messages from marketing, messages from whomever. What have you guys put in place in order to streamline communication? We meet pretty regularly every week and we present to the e-staff as a, a joint team, a go-to-market team. Sales and marketing will present on what we're, what we're doing in EMEA and APAC. We're very clear on our strategy. We're very clear on ownership what progressing, what our metrics of success are. And we communicate that to the entire executive team every week. Other forms of um, communications, we've got obviously groups that are working through the different regions. We're certainly on Slack. We're certainly on email all the normal times. And we, you know, you can't manage it eight hours away. We go in person. Um, we're there with the team to help us scale. We like to think about it a lot as like, what's the right mode of communication for the team, for the size of the org right now? When we were five salespeople sitting around the table, information's passed through a Slack channel. Everybody's just hearing how everybody else sells, and that's fine. You know, as you get people across multiple pods, you get the inundation of that Slack channel and a bunch of information that's just floating out there. And you learn not just by hearing people, but let me go to the expert and figure out what that person who knows how to do one skill really well is doing. And it gets a little harder to translate, right? What Megan's teams work closely with our ops and enablement team to do is start to consolidate and build, okay, here's the source of truth for a talk track, an industry, a piece of content through our content management solution so that we actually have that ability to scale that across teams, across 
offices across markets globally, while in those smaller cuts within that London office or within that Sydney office, those groups are still passing around information you know, related to, hey, how do we sell in Sydney in this vertical right now and making sure those best practices are sharing in a much more nimble way. So it's sort of creating those layers of the right level of formality and structure to handle the big piece as well, and making sure that at the local levels, there still is that nimble form of communication, but not trying to scale the sort of nimble, everybody chat on Slack to hundreds of people. That doesn't always work very well for certain things. And not trying to scale the, okay, we have a content management solution. There's one deck that only one person can control and everybody has to use that deck and force that down at a very local level, right? So it, it comes from scaling around figuring out what the right levels of scale for right pieces of content and pieces of knowledge are and trying to put the right framework in place to do both modes. That's how I'd wrap it up just in terms of thinking about the key things that I think about and as we talk about regularly as we go build this thing together. Once again, I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Laura Hall is our executive producer. Our artwork is by Greg Klingshern. This episode was edited by Peter Lopinto. Subscribe to us on your favorite app to learn more immediately actionable best practices from our awesome guests. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.